0: Part 1 May 1940. The back room of the Palais Cinemas Movie House was not a glamorous spot by any stretch of the imagination. As far as the entertainment industry went, the Palais was strictly in the retail end of the spectrum. Local folks, mostly kids, out to squeeze every last minute of entertainment that could possibly be wrung out of a nickel. That was what kept the lights on. There were no red carpet walks here, and no fabulous celebrities came to call. Except perhaps tonight, Don Finton thought as he set out on his midnight rounds, turning off lights. If they got his message, tonight just might be a different kettle of fish altogether. Finton was starting to stoop with age, but in his day, he had clearly been a big man. He still carried himself like a man of action, in spite of the fact that there was little adventure to be had, keeping the palais open through good times and bad. From ticket-taker, to projectionist, to chief bottle-washer, he wore a great many hats. But the one that had always given him the most pleasure was the one that enticed no paying customers at all into the lobby of his movie house, though it often brought in a lot of foot traffic of a different sort back in the day. From down the hall, Finton could hear a sudden sound from his little office, a hiss of papers rustling madly as if caught in a sudden gale, and he grinned in spite of himself. That office window of his opened into the alley north of Bloor, and the wind boomed down it something fierce. If someone had opened it long enough to slip in, they would cause a ruckus, no matter how quiet they thought they were. Finton knew from the sound that his daily receipts and papers were in a state, but it would be worth it. For the first time ever, he had the drop on his visitors, and he was going to enjoy it. He pushed the office door open quickly and spoke as if he could see them in the gloom of the newly darkened office, which he could not. But Don Finton had been an agent of the Red Panda long enough that he had picked up a few tricks. You call that burgling? Finton demanded gruffly, staring at the darkest spot of the arch ceiling high above. You'd wake the dead, you would. You can't actually see me. The Flying Squirrel's voice protested from the shadows. "'You're just guessing.' "'Guessing is as good as seeing when you're right,' Finton argued. "'He's not wrong,' a voice came from nowhere, sounding amused. Don Finton nearly jumped out of his skin in spite of himself. He pointed over his shoulder toward where the voice might have come from, for the benefit of the girl that he was still fairly certain was standing on his ceiling.' Now that's hiding, he insisted. Quiet, you, the flying squirrel said, dropping from above, spinning in midair and making a perfect three-point landing in a low crouch. You called, we came. We didn't ask for notes. The shadows within the back of the palais seemed to coalesce into the form of a man in grey. He held out a red gauntleted hand that matched the domino mask on his face and shook Finton's hand warmly. "'Hello, Don,' the red panda said. "'It's been a while. "'How have you been keeping?' "'Finton shrugged. "'Always busy,' he said. "'Not so busy that I couldn't manage an active agent or two. "'All I have these days is kids. "'Runners with no news to run and spotters with nothing to spot.' "'It has been remarked,' the flying squirrel said, "'with a wrinkle of her nose that Finton assumed was not for his benefit.' It isn't just you, Don. There's a manpower shortage right across the network. The Red Panda shook his head. Not the best time for it, Fintan said, feeling around in the gloom of the office for something on the desk. The phony war is over. Hitler is on the move. We get the papers, the squirrel said, sensing her partner's impatience. The news is not new. Mother Hen said you had something that was. I got. This, Finton said, raising a metal film canister over his head as if it were a trophy. The man in the mask said nothing, though it was clear that his agent had his full attention. Ever since that archangel creep tried to slip Nazi garbage into the kids' cartoons, I've been watching out for somebody to try something similar. Find it before it gets shown, that kind of thing. The red panda looked at the film canister with eyes that burned like white fire. Have you found another piece of propaganda aimed at children? Finton shrugged. I don't know what I found. or At least I don't know quite what to make of it. But I figure you ought to see it, he shrugged. It's a new serial, and I reckon you should okay it before I run it tomorrow. A cereal? The masked man seemed perplexed. Is there popcorn? the squirrel asked excitedly. We don't get out much. (laughs) Help yourself, Binton grinned, while I get this reel ready to roll. The flying squirrel fought her desire to put her feet up on the back of the seat in front of her, although at this moment it was her fondest wish and would make her evening complete. Kip Baxter Fenwick was one of the lucky ones, and no mistake, she knew. She had two jobs and loved them both. The night job, the one that came with the mask and tights, was non-negotiable. And if you asked her, she would swear she would take it to the grave. Everything that was good in her life was somehow tied up in the funhouse-mirrored world of her alter ego, including her new day job at the Daily Chronicle. And as for the girl reporter routine, she may not have been at it as long, but she was born to it, and she knew it. She knew better than to complain, but sometimes it did seem that both jobs wanted every scrap of her life, and a midnight showing in an empty movie house was a pretty thrilling prospect. The red panda was trying. He really was, she thought, as he sidestepped down the row of seats with two small bags of popcorn in his hands. It had been a rough few months for him, she knew. Their city was a recurring ball of yarn for a Nazi tomcat named Archangel. And though they had foiled his schemes time and again, the man himself continued to elude them. Their network of trusted agents had been depleted by recruitment drives and were, almost to a man, camped out in England, waiting for things to go from terrible to very much worse. And now, of course... It looked like that was finally happening. Europe lay with a boot on its throat, and there was nothing the Red Panda could do about it, which was by no means his favorite sensation. But he was here, and he was trying to make the best of it, largely for the benefit of his wife and partner. If nothing else, it's the thought that counts. And he did have popcorn, which he shook triumphantly as he approached. She arched her eyebrow as he held out a bag for her. Separate bags, she said with a pout playing about the corners of her voice. He smiled and dropped into the seat beside her. Yes, I had a small revelation, he said, opening his own bag. I thought I might actually get some this way. She pretended to be scandalized, which she was not. Whatever has been suggested here. "'I have known you to actually take kernels from my hand "'when supplies in the bag were getting low,' he said, "'popping a piece into his mouth "'and looking extremely pleased with himself. "'She beamed at him, without intending him to notice, "'but Kit Baxter's smile could stop a truck, "'even if she didn't seem to know it. "'What is it?' he asked, mildly ensorcelled, as always. "'There's my fella,' she said quietly. "'I haven't seen him in a while.' He shrugged and went back to the popcorn bag. We haven't pinged to the pictures in ages, he said. It all feels a bit like date night. It always feels like date night, she countered. Oh, yes, he asked, quite pleased. Still, always, she said, because it was true. The curtain before the screen rose suddenly and the lights dimmed. Kit shuffled in her seat and almost stood. I don't think anyone is going to play God Save the King, the red panda grinned. Right, she said, relaxing into her chair again. We couldn't have kind a case with a romantic feature in it, could we? It had to be a Saturday serial. Probably be all right, he said optimistically. Might be a cowboy picture. The whir of the projector started high above, and the auditorium was bathed in a silvery glow. The two masked heroes settled into their seats contentedly. The flying squirrel could hardly believe what she saw next. It was a lantern-jawed, yet somehow familiar enough face, partly concealed by a low-slung fedora and a domino mask, which, in spite of the black-and-white film, Kit was prepared to swear was bright red. The eyes were cut out, as the makers hadn't worked out the kinks in the polarized lenses in the boss's mask, but it was pretty clear what they were going for. A title flashed up on the screen as the dramatic music roared. "'Mask of the Red Ensign,' it read. And then, Chapter One, The Jaws of Death.' "'What the heck?' Kit muttered under her breath. She glanced at her husband, staring at the screen, his expression stern and his popcorn quite forgotten. "'Ah, biscuits,' she cursed. "'There was a knocking at the door to the outer office, "'not impolite, but determined, "'and it had been going on for more than a minute. "'Martin Frobisher frowned and rose from his desk. "'Where could that girl have got to? "'There was very little point in employing a receptionist "'if she were not going to do any actual receiving.' and she seemed to have developed a knack for being somewhere else when it needed doing, which obligated Martin Frobisher to hurry from his own office and open his own door himself, slightly disheveled and out of breath, as he did now. Upon completing this task, Frobisher was not displeased to discover a very handsome young lady in a smart tweed suit, and with what seemed like an unruly mane of long red hair stuffed in a fairly chaotic manner into a grey-knit hat. The hat itself bore some slight resemblance to a chauffeur's cap and was worn at something of a jaunty angle, hanging low over a striking pair of brown eyes. Martin Frobisher was momentarily flummoxed, but the girl on the threshold did not seem to have noticed. Martin Frobisher, she asked, as if it were not really a question. Frobisher blinked and shook his head. I beg your pardon, he said, as if he had no idea at all what might be going on right now. "'Martin Frobisher, Daring-Do Productions,' the girl said, "'more as if it were a prompt, to help Frobisher remember his lines. "'Yes, of course,' Frobisher said, still not sounding certain about it. "'He was not the sort of fellow who had beautiful women calling on him in the middle of the day, "'and he had not been in the show business long enough to become accustomed to it. "'Kit Baxter, Daily Chronicle,' the girl said cordially, "'but unsure of why she was still standing in the hall.' "'I rang for an appointment this morning.' "'I'm terribly sorry,' Frobisher said, extending a hand. "'Martin Frobisher, Daring-Do Productions.' There was an awkward moment while each of them fought to ignore the fact that she had told him that a few seconds earlier. "'I'm sorry. My girl seems to have stepped away. Once again.' "'Won't you please come in, Miss Baxter?' Kit Baxter stepped into the outer office as if she owned the place." It was large to the point of opulence, bright and clean and modern. The receptionist's desk stood by the door unoccupied, as had been suggested. The west wall was nearly all windows, giving one the feeling that one was standing high above the city, which was enough to give a person vertigo, if that person did not routinely do exactly that and all without a net, as Kit Baxter did. "'You have a lovely office,' Kit Baxter said." "'holding a notepad, but not opening it. "'You're very kind,' Frobisher said with a slight bow. "'I'm sorry, Miss Baxter. "'You have me at something of a disadvantage. "'Are you looking for an interview with Jack Stern?' "'Kit blinked. "'Jack Stern is a lead character from your Red Ensign Adventure serial,' "'she said, opening her notebook. "'I haven't been able to sort out the actor's name.' "'Frobisher beamed. "'They are one and the same, Miss Baxter,' he said. No secret identities here. Daring Do Productions feels very strongly that serious times demand serious heroes, who aren't afraid to step up and be counted against the enemies of mankind. When you talk to Mr. Stern, you'll understand. I'm not here to talk to Jack Stern, she said with a shake of her head. I'm here to talk to you. Martin Frobisher was flummoxed once again. Miss Baxter, he said. I don't think your readers would find that terribly interesting. I beg to differ, she said, brandishing a pencil now, but still not writing anything down. A well-funded movie production house sets up shop in the city and immediately sets to business making adventure pictures with a Canadian hero and then undercutting the American distributors and taking over the Saturday serial in every picture house in town. That sounds interesting to me. I am very interested in how the economics of that work." Frobisher laughed nervously. (laughs) "I'm afraid our investors would insist." Kit gestured toward the empty desk. "Your receptionist seems certain that you would be game. She said that movie people always like to talk about themselves." Frobisher grimaced. "That girl again." Except you aren't exactly a movie person, are you, Mr. Frobisher? she asked. There was an awkward silence. It wasn't easy to trace, but all of this belongs to the War Office. All of what? Frobisher asked weakly. Kit Baxter made a circular gesture with her pencil, as if to indicate everything. The sets, the scripts, the office, she began. The corporation itself, not to mention you, Mr. Frobisher. Or should I say... Major Anthony Finn, I think all of that is a very interesting story. Not to mention why you seem to be trying to pick a fight with the Red Panda. Pick a fight with... uh, Frobisher smoothed his suit front. My dear girl, nothing could be further from the truth. The Red Panda has been terribly successful in his own way, punching the depression into submission. But times have changed. Serious times? Kit offered with a scowl. The kind that need serious heroes, like your matinee idol with the infringement issues? Frobisher smiled. <laughs> Funny thing about that, the red panda has no legal standing, as he does not officially exist. His mask may have its uses, but it does prohibit him from claiming ownership over his own identity and public persona. Why, "'I could make a series of pictures with the Red Panda name, "'and there would be nothing he could do about it,' "'Frobisher said with a snort. "'Remember where you were when you said that,' "'the girl reporter muttered quietly. "'The producer shrugged. "'We almost did it,' he admitted. "'But the name didn't test well. "'Too foreign. "'Now, the Red Ensign, on the other hand, "'has been the unofficial name of our country's flag for many years. "'So... We make a few small changes, and there we are. Our very own trademarked mask hero, and no mistake. This did not seem to satisfy the girl reporter, but she did begin taking copious notes as he spoke. About that, your man uses a name in the movie and in real life, and his identity is a secret to no one, so why does he even wear a mask? The expectations of the audience... Frobisher said with a smile. And believe me, that goes far beyond the twelve-year-olds lined up for the pictures. We're three episodes in, and already the entire city is a buzz about our country's new hero. A mask can be a symbol, and symbols are what we need right now. "'Can I quote you on that?' Baxter said, as if it was more of a threat than a question. "'You can, but you won't,' Frobisher said with a twitch of his moustache. These are all official secrets, and I think that you will find that neither you, nor your editor, nor any other news outfit in town will publish a word on the subject. Quite the contrary. I think you will find some of the more patriotic publications will shortly stop assuming that it is the Red Panda who, say, thwarted a bank robbery or broke up a criminal gang. After all... His description is answered by Jack Stern, the Red Ensign, Star of Screen, Protector of the Nation, and a man with a small army of press agents and publicists ready to arrange his interviews for him. "'Are you certain you wouldn't like to meet Mr. Stern, Miss Baxter?' "'Mr. Frobisher,' the girl said, pulling out pages from a notebook and crumpling them in a manner that made her host nervous in spite of himself.' I can't think of anything that I would enjoy less. Addison is on the air. Do you love old-time radio? Yes! You know absolutely nothing about old-time radio. So oh, yes. Then Madison on the Air is for you. Follow Madison, a modern day makeup influencer, as she zapped back into the golden age of radio. Every episode is standalone with a wide variety of genres to choose from, like Detective Noir. You put the dick in private dick. Superheroes. So I am in the body of the Green Hornet. Westerns. Saloon fight. Now this is a Western. Sci fi. Dude! Martian's got a freaking heat ray. Plus classic characters. Toto, oh, I gotta get that dog into an obedience class. Really dig in Dracula's OG goth style. <gasps> what if I killed freaking Sherlock Holmes? And many more. Actual old-time radio scripts adapted. It's like if the MST3K Riff Tracks guys were in the movies they riff. Start at the beginning or jump around to any title that grabs you. New episodes premiere the first of every month. Find us wherever you get your podcasts.